And so if you don't have enough, let me know and we'll burn off more copies. Bob's got more over there. Bob's got more than one in his hand, so I know he's got extra in case someone needs it. Thanks, sir. Anybody else need a copy? I thought I made enough for everyone to have your own copy. You will need a writing instrument if you want to fill in the blanks. Here comes Dave Williams and then Joseph's in the back as well. Um, anybody else need a copy? We have a deacon election coming up next Sunday evening. And so instead of starting on the side that talks about pastors, I think I'll start on the side that talks about deacons. And, and then, assuming we don't get through this all today, I'll talk about pastors next week. It's important that we understand what the Bible teaches about everything, and that would include church and what, how we operate that or what, what are we supposed to do. There's a lot of things about church that are not biblical because people just kind of do whatever is right in their own eyes, and they forget that the Bible is really the standard for everything, and it gives us instructions. And so we really should just stick to with what the Bible says and keep it simple. Everybody have a handout? or at least looking at one. And hopefully if you have a pen or pencil, you can fill in the blanks as we go. Philippians chapter 1 is where I'm going to start. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. And so this is written, this letter called Philippians was written to the saints in Philippi. And the saints are not like you hear today. In other words, St. Michael or St. Vincent or St. Peter or St. Mary or whatever it might be, uh, that's a Catholic uh, misconception of, of you know, you know in electing someone into sainthood or something like that. Let me tell you something. A saint is anyone who is saved. If you are saved, you are a saint because a saint, are, a saint is all the saved. All the saved are the saints. There are Christian believers, the general church membership, the saints. You're sanctified once you're saved, and so you are a saint. So, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi. Then it says, with the bishops and deacons. And the word bishop is the idea of shepherd, pastor, elder, bishop, overseers of the local church and so uh, we can see and, and I'll talk about this more next week probably but pastor means shepherd uh, elder bishop they're all really the same thing they're not different things they're the same thing again other religions mess that up so shepherds if you're filling in the blanks pastor elder bishop overseers of the local church so it says all the bishops and deacons Deacons, I put three S's here, saints, shepherds, servants, to try to make it a little more alliterated. But saints are all of us. Shepherds are not necessarily all of us, but a church needs a shepherd. And then the official servants. Now, all of us are supposed to be servants. All of us are supposed to be deacon. The word servant is the same as deacon or diakonos, if you see in your handout there. Diakonos is the Greek word. And so literally, Deacon is just transliterated straight from Greek to English. They just took the Greek letters and changed them to English letters, and that's where we get the idea of deacon. What does the word deacon mean? Well, it means servant. It means minister or waiting, like wait, a server would wait on tables, a waitress or a waiter. And a deacon, as we study the deacon today, we'll see that a deacon's job is to wait on the Lord's table, to 
make sure the pastor's table is taken care of and to make sure widow's tables are taken care of. That's, that's just a cute way to remember that as well. So we're going to go from here. We're going to go to Acts chapter number 6, and we're going to look at what most people believe was the first instance of deacons in the Bible. Acts chapter number 6. Acts chapter number 6 and verse number 1. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. So there was a, a conflict. One group felt like the other group wasn't getting uh, or wasn't giving them fair notice or, or a fair shake and whatever. And there was some complaint. And so verse 2 then the disciples called the multitude of the disciples, excuse me, the 12 called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. <clears throat> There's a need, but we can't stop what we're doing to take care of this physical need. It is a need. It is serious and we're not going to take it lightly, but we need to designate someone to take care of this table problem of serving tables of the widows being neglected and whatnot. And so they said in verse 3, Wherefore, brethren, look out, ye out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom... They set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of, the, of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And great, a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. So let's pray, and we'll go on today. Lord, we do thank you for our opportunity to teach and to just learn things and to remind ourselves of things, review things. And we ask that you just help us to conduct ourselves according to your word and that we as a church would be exactly what you'd have us to be and that we'd just be biblical. We ask that you'd help us with that in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're looking at deacon today. Uh, a pastor is the human leader of the church under Christ. And we'll talk more about that later on on side B. Uh, a pastor is to be a minister, a servant. So, so really deacon means servant and pastor. You've heard pastors called ministers before. Uh, they're servants also, but they are to serve in the spiritual things. Notice what the apostle said. We can't leave the word to become just administrators of the physical needs. So a deacon is the official servant of the church. They're elected that. They're selected that way, and they're under the pastor. Verse 3, it says, Choose ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. So the pastors were going to tell these deacons who were going to be chosen what they want done, kind of like assistance to the pastor. A deacon, then, is to minister or serve or wait in the temporal things. And the idea of wait like a waiter uh, at a restaurant. A minister, serve, wait in the temporal things. The pastor ministers more in the spiritual things, and the deacon is to minister, serve, and wait in the temporal things. And then there's a little asterisk there. Sadly, many churches today have these roles somewhat reversed. And uh, that's, that's as a result of different people not doing what they're supposed to do. For instance, I was talking about this the other day with our guest preacher that was with us, and we were talking about how that after a while it can be. Um, I was telling him a story. I told him about a man who uh, is a well-known preacher, and he's, he's not a bad guy, but, but 
I met him uh, at a at a meeting, and uh, I just introduced myself and uh, and he said, "So where are you?" And I said, "I'm in South Dakota. I'm in Custer, South Dakota. That's where I'm I'm at. I'm pastor there." And he said, "Oh, South Dakota." He said, "That's a good place to get your start." That's what he said, and I was offended by that. But I realized that that's how he thinks because he's more of the bigger church or big name or whatever, you know, whatever it might be. And he said, so-and-so started out in South Dakota and now they moved on to whatever. And, you know, there's a lot of that mentality even among pastors. Uh, When I was a kid, I lived in Wyoming. And uh, if you stayed in Wyoming for five years, you were really staying a long time. And there were men who would come to Wyoming, a different town in Wyoming, and they'd They'd be there for a while, and then they'd step up the ladder, just like just like guys in the business world look for a, a better career opportunity and, and move their family somewhere else. Listen, pastoring is not a career, and it's not just a self-centered job promotion. Let's look and see what's available here and go here, go there. Uh, that's not how pastoring should be. Well, here's what happens. Because some of that goes on, and because there are pastors who quit when they shouldn't have and and they don't stay as long as they should have stayed what happens then is that people tend to not move as fast as the pastor and so then eventually what happens is is you have some people who decide well this pastor is probably only going to be here for a short while and then he's off to the to bigger and greener pasture and they start to not trust the pastor it's just it's just what happens when my dad came to Gillette Wyoming the first Sunday we were there, he was just, you know, introducing himself and going to a candidate. He's just going to preach, and they were going to decide if they should vote on him. And a, and a guy pulled him aside and said, "What's your plan? How long you plan on be here?" Well, my dad's like, oh, bye, 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 bye. you know, bye, bye, bye. and and he didn't know why the guy was all upset at him until he found out that this church in Gillette had had, I think it was eleven pastors in thirteen years, or maybe it was thirteen pastors in eleven years. I can't remember. That's just that's just wrong. I mean, I can understand if a pastor dies or if God truly legitimately moves someone on, but somebody in there wasn't doing right. So then eventually what happens is, is that the people get a bad taste in their mouth for the pastor and the leadership. And so then what happens is they say, we're the deacons and we're going to control what goes on. And after a while, you have a deacon-run church or a deacon board and you have, and there's a lack of trust there. And so it, it kind of, and though, so then you've, I've seen it the other way where pastors are banging their head against the wall because these deacons are running the show and they're not recognizing that they really are to be servants that help and assist the pastor. But they've gone so long of telling the pastor what they do, they don't want to give that up. You bring in a young guy, and I have no plans to retire anytime soon or bring in a young guy, but you bring in a young guy and you got this older deacon and this younger guy right? There's all kinds of those types of scenarios where we can not play our position. If all of us would just recognize the role God's given us. And then let's say you're not a pastor or a deacon. Does that mean you aren't important? Listen, every one of us are supposed to deke. Every one of us are supposed to deke. We're all supposed to be servants. And I'm so thankful for the servants that we have in our church. You know, we have four men that have been nominated and uh, we've chosen, I have chosen to to recommend that we pick three, up to three. And since there have been four, now there were more than four that were nominated, but there were four that uh, accepted that. 
and and I said to the others that didn't accept it, hey, listen, I'm just thankful that you serve and that you are a blessing. And even if you don't want the official position of deacon, thank you for being a servant in the church. I do appreciate also those who are willing to serve in that official capacity. Thankful for all of them. And we ought to be thankful for the pastor who serves. And hopefully the pastor's family is serving. We're all to be servants. So this is not about rank and position unfortunately that gets to be thought of and of course the pastor is going to be more of the authority and and the deacons are going to be the official servants and whatever and be maybe more up front type of thing but we're all just saints if we're saved we're just the saints of god so notice in verse three the pastors do not tell the church who to vote for but they did instruct them on what type of person to vote for seven men now you say, why did they choose seven and we're not choosing seven? Well, you think about it. In this early days of, of Acts, there were probably thousands of people in the church. Remember, 3,000 got saved in one day. And they hadn't scattered yet. So seven for how many thousands they had probably uh, you know, seems like a small number to us. I don't know that we even have to have deacons at all, except that we live in this day and age where... Uh, it is good that, that the pastor is not the only trustee uh, of the church. Uh, it is good for the, the handling of, of money and the handling of business. And so no matter the size, I do think uh, churches are wise to have a deacon or maybe more than one deacon. And, uh, and so the number three was picked for this time around. Not anything biblical about it. Uh, it is an odd number. It looks like seven is an odd number and one is an odd number. Don't know that that really matters either, but that's that's how it is. Let's look at these verses, though. Uh, deacons were elected only when the church needs required it. You don't have to have them, but they had a need. There was a specific need that needed to be met. And so in verse 2, uh, they needed to serve tables. They needed to take care of this administration business, this this business concerning the widows and concerning those who were not being cared for as they ought. And apparently, the church was feeding and helping those in need. And the Bible does teach that uh, within the local church. Then number three, or verse three, number two, deacons were elected only when the pastors called for a vote. Uh, No one else was to call that. The pastors didn't. So the apostles or the pastors of the church, they called for the vote. And, uh, And then number three, deacons must be elected from within the church membership. All right, that should be a no brainer. Uh, But but it has to be within the church membership, people that are, people that are already members of the church. And, and let me just say that I think it's very wise that people who have a history, who have a reputation in the church, someone joins the church uh, this week, I wouldn't recommend electing them deacon next week. Uh, don't you? Uh, I, I think it might even be in our bylaws, but I, I don't think someone should be asked to teach you know as a as a leadership position if they haven't been in church for a while we want to get to know them and make sure we know about them and understand what they're all about and that we're on the same page and and uh and and not no surprises i guess you could say so elected from within the membership of the church. and by the way church membership has a reason again these people obviously you know choose from among you right it wasn't just put an ad in the paper hey you want to be a deacon in our church come on no, it was choose from among the, the membership, among the group. And so there is a need for membership because how do you organize? How do you have any kind of, how do you maintain, how do you have an election like they were going to do? So there has to be a membership. And so if you're not a member of, of God's local church, you need to be. And I appreciate 
uh, those who are, even if you don't always understand why that is important. Then number four under this point here, deacons must be elected by their own local church. Again, that seems like a no-brainer, but again, we read verses three through five. Um, and verse five, the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, they chose Philip, they chose these other men. Well, what's that about? It's about recognizing the local church. You know, there are some religious groups that their pastor is decided by some denominational board outside of the local church. Well, that's crazy. You know, um, that's sad. Uh, the local church should should decide for themselves. That's what I love about being an independent Baptist Bible-believing church. We just, we're independent. And I think our our country's government uh, took a lot of the examples that we find in church and in the word of God because it's about local control and local understanding. And, and so we're electing from amongst ourselves. And, uh, and we, we get into this mentality that we need to go outside of the circle. Um, for instance, we recently ordained Joshua a few months ago. And, and that's a blessing to have someone to ordain. Uh, I, I think the, the biblical, the, the simple biblical way of doing things in church is that you just do it as if you were the only church on planet earth. Not in an arrogant way, but just if we're, if we're operating as the Bible teaches, eventually there are young men and women growing up to take our place. The, the new way of doing things is to go to some college somewhere. And I'm not saying colleges are all bad. But who, who better to decide if someone understands your church than someone who grew up in your church versus the guy? Can you not trust the person who and grew up here? Can you not have a little more understanding? And so I think that's God's way of doing things. Along with Bible colleges have come some of this, and it leads to that stepping stone mentality as I was talking about earlier. So they must be elected by their own local church. And what a blessing when they are, when they are elected within the membership and they are, they are homegrown, so to speak. And then number four, excuse me, number five, deacons must be under the pastor's direction. It says there in verse three of Acts chapter six, whom we may appoint over this business. And that's the part that gets forgotten as the things get convoluted and things get out of order. If you find yourself in that vicious cycle, just stop and say, what does God want me to do? What am I supposed to do in this situation? Not what's pragmatic or what, what, how am I going to react, but what does God want me to do? And then just trust God to fix and arrange everybody else's uh, attitude to be as it ought to be. In other words, just play your position. Just do what God would have you to do and let God take care of the rest. Number six, deacons must be biblically qualified proved as the bible says to be elected uh and and so honest report we see here um full of honesty uh verse three full of the holy ghost those are two blanks there then a comma and then it says full of wisdom all right and uh and then you keep going down stephen a man full of faith all right and so there, there were things that needed to be understood in qualification. So we're going we're gonna to keep our finger in Acts chapter number uh, 6, and we're going to go over to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3.
First Timothy chapter 3. There, there are qualifications for deacon and, and for pastor. Um, and biblical, not, not man's, but biblical qualifications. And so, again, we, we'll look more at the pastor next week, but because of the context, we'll go ahead and start in verse 1 and read all the way down to verse 13. First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, this is the true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desires the good work. Now, the word bishop, again, is synonymous with pastor, elder. Uh, it's, it's the idea of the, the leader of the church. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? That's a pretty good question. And then verse 6. Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. And then likewise, and the reason why we read the, verse, the first seven verses is because verse 8 starts out likewise. Likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of faith in a pure conscience. And let these also first be proved then let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slander, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon, well purchased to themselves a good degree, and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. And we'll stop there. We'll look here at our page now, and our paper so there are some things, there are some expectations, qualifications that we should take seriously and we need to be careful. Sometimes deacon election can turn into popular vote. That ought not be if, if it isn't correct according to scripture. And if, and if popular vote becomes more important than scriptural, that's a real problem. And uh, that leads to just other issues. And there's all kinds of politics within churches, and that's a shame. I appreciate the four men that have been nominated to uh, participate in our election next week. That, as far as I know, none of them have any campaign signs or posters or buttons around, and that's a good thing. Glad, glad for that. Good to see that. And uh, hopefully uh, there isn't any phone calls being made behind the scenes. Uh, seriously, though, we, we need to recognize what does God want and just trust the Lord. First of all, concerning a qualification of a deacon verses 11 and 12 clearly indicate this he must be a man he needs to have a wife not a husband and of course we live in a day and age today where we might want to define that he's to be a husband all right he's to be a man this doesn't mean that ladies can't deek the word deek means serve and we'll mention that here before we stop today he must be a man um he must have, according to verses 8 through 10, likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued. I think we know what that means. Not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding mystery, the mystery of faith in a pure conscience. And let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. He must have a godly testimony. He's not perfect. That word blameless for either the pastor or the deacon doesn't mean perfect. Nobody's perfect. But there is no scandalous handle that can be grabbed onto 
concerning him. If he's done wrong, he's made it right. Uh, He's found blameless. And then sound in the faith, verse 9, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. Back there in Acts chapter 6, Stephen was full of faith, the Bible says. And someone who is strong in faith, sound in faith, and is not wishy-washy, wavering, or doubting, but has an understanding of the word of God and understanding of the faith God's given. And then, as it says in verse 10, proved, or must be proven, or proved, and blameless, as I already mentioned earlier. He is to be proved that, that he's had that, that experience or that there's been some proof there um, and there's been a, a reputation there that is, is not tainted in some way. And then it says here in verse 11, even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful, in all things, that the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own houses well. Uh, He needs to have a spiritual godly wife. Verse 11, their wives be grave. doesn't mean you have to be as cold as a grave, but you're sober. Uh, You're not slanderers. You know what's interesting about that word slanderer? That word slanderer is is from a Greek word meaning diablos, or it it says diablos in Greek. You know what diablos is? Anybody recognize that word? Devil. Devil. And, you know, gossip is devilish. And, And why does it say that? Why does it mention that concerning the deacon's wives? Well, because as a deacon, you probably are going to end up having some information that maybe not the general public has, just like the pastor would have. And as a deacon, you're, of course, going to be sharing things with your wife because I believe that husbands and wives are to be one. And so pastors' wives and pastors and husbands uh, and uh, deacons and their wives, you, you, just, you, you, you are going to know things. Well, sometimes it can be a problem if the wife is immature and she's slandering or gossiping or saying things. Maybe she's got hurt feelings or maybe she's bitter about something. Or maybe, oh, yeah, well, I happen to know. Hey, 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 uh-uh. That's not godly. That's not the right kind of wife a deacon needs to have. And so a uh, spiritual godly wife, that's, that is very necessary, uh, very important. It does say in verse 12, let the deacons be the husbands of one wife and uh, ruling their children in their own house as well. It also mentions that back concerning pastors, and we'll, we'll see that again uh, next week when we talk about pastors. Now, I take a very, I guess, conservative approach to this, and, and, and maybe I take the high road maybe more than others would, but I just believe that means he needs to be a one-woman man, and Revelation, or Romans talks about till death do you part. And so there are men who have been married and divorced and remarried, and I don't want to rub that in their face, but I think a one-woman man needs to be a one-woman man. Now, if his wife has passed away, and we have a deacon whose wife passed away while he was deacon, uh, you know, he, he's free to marry if, if he was to choose to do so without it violating anything. But to recognize what the Word of God teaches, I think we need to say, hold it. Let's, let's think about what that's saying here. Some would say, no, no, that's just one at a time. As long as he's not married to two women at once, that's, he, he qualifies. Well, I, I don't think that's what it means. Because if that's what it means, then that means that all the other saints can be polygamous as long as they're not pastors or deacons. And I don't think that's what the Bible's teaching. I think, I think the Bible is emphasizing, and, and I know there are people in the Old Testament who had more than one wife, but what you won't find is you'll never find God telling a man take more than one wife. 
you'll find you'll find God allowing it for a bigger purpose, you know, and 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 teaching a lesson. I mean, for instance, David. David had more than one wife. It did not turn out well for David. You talk about a mess, and and I would say David's main issue was women. Solomon, his son, learned from his dad. Wow, you talk about a woman problem. And the preacher preached last Sunday morning about Jacob taking two sisters as wives. Yikes, what'd you do that for? And and God allowed it, but he did not tell them to do that. Uh, God didn't give Adam several women. He gave Adam Eve. And so I, I think that there's a there's a reason for all this, and it's not just because we want to be strict and we want to be unkind or, or mean or hurtful to people. Divorce is in my own family, all right? Not me personally, but divorce is in my own family. My grandparents, I... I I know it hurts, and it's not a good thing, and I hate to even have to drag it up here. But I think it's important that we recognize that in Ephesians it says that marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. And Jesus does not divorce us. And Jesus loves us. And Jesus is, is very patient with us. And uh, we, need to, we need to just recognize the role or the symbol that we're showing here with this. That's all I want to say about it for now. But I do believe that we need to take that into consideration when we are choosing uh, a deacon or, or even a, a pastor down the road. Uh, remember what that parenthesis says back there in verse number five. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Uh, and about 10 days from now, you're going to see all my family here, including the son-in-law and the grandson. Man, you're going to be impressed when you see that grandson. You're like, wow, that is a grandson. Anyway, uh, you're going to see all my family here at once. And I, you're not going to see perfect. You're not going to see perfect. You're not going to see glowing holy righteousness with halos. But I am thankful. I am thankful that you are going to see some who are all going to church somewhere every day, every time the doors are open, who all are still doing what they were taught. And the whole time that they were here with us, and some of you old-timers know, they, they, they backed up what Dad and Mom were teaching. That's a blessing. I think there's some churches that purposely, quietly like pastors who don't have, who, who, whose kids are dysfunctional. You know why I think that? It gives them a great excuse. It lowers the bar. And I'm thankful that that our our children, I don't want to knock on wood because I'm not superstitious, but I'm thankful that our children so far have not l- led a bad example. And it's not just pastors. It says there in verse 12, course it says likewise back in verse 8 but verse 12 says let the deacons be the husbands of one wife ruling their children and their own house as well doesn't mean they're perfect but their 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 family is wholesome they 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 lead in by example in that way and then number seven under this list that we've been going through in verse 13 it says for they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. You know, 
I mentioned stepping stone. I do think that it's quite possible for deacons to become pastors or deacons to go from being just a deacon to a preacher within the church. In fact, there are two examples of that. And we go back to Acts 6 and we see those two. And they're mentioned first, Acts chapter 6, where we were earlier. Acts chapter 6 and verse number 5. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And if you don't know who Stephen is, read chapter 7. Stephen was the first of the seven deacons, and he was not just a deacon. <clears throat> he was a, a man who, who preached a sermon. He preached such a good sermon, he got killed for it. At the end of chapter 7, they killed Stephen because they hated what he was saying. But what he said was absolutely the truth. And there was a man standing there holding the coats of all the people that were stoning Stephen to death. And that man's name was Saul. And Saul later got saved and then became the apostle Paul. And I do believe that because Jesus said to Saul, he said, it's getting hard to kick against the pricks. I think the pricks were those convictions and those, those stabs in his conscience and his soul, knowing that Stephen died for something he didn't have. Stephen, at the end of chapter 7, looks up into heaven and said, Lord, receive my spirit and lay not this sin to their charge. He died like Jesus. And it was convicting to Saul. And then I think the reason why the apostle Paul is who he is today is because of a deacon named Stephen. Stephen never pastored a church, but boy, he preached a sermon. I'm not saying that every deacon has to be a preacher, but there's certainly nothing wrong with deacons uh, preaching uh, and eventually maybe even becoming a pastor or, or whatever. The other one that's mentioned in Acts chapter 6 is Philip. And this is the same Philip who was the evangelist. In chapter 21, verse 8, it's mentioned that he, is, he was Philip the evangelist. So Philip was a deacon, but he also went out of town and preached and helped establish churches and things like that and, uh, and preached the gospel. And so I, I, think, I think that we should desire for our deacons to be spiritual men. I think, sometimes, I think sometimes deacons are chosen because of their status in the community, but not because of their spirituality. Years ago, I heard of a church in Wyoming that that uh, they wanted to get a loan from the bank so that they could uh, build an addition to this building. <clears throat> and the banker was a mason. I don't want to get into Masonic stuff right now, but there's a lot of club and uh, secret junk that goes on in the Masonic Lodge. And uh, the mason, the, the president of the bank, said to the pastor and the deacons well i don't see so-and-so's name on your list as one of your trustees well so-and-so belongs to our church but he's not one of our deacons he's not one of our uh you know and and the and the, and the president of the bank who was a mason said well i want to see basically i want to see my friend who's also a mason on your list sadly that church capitulated to that president of the bank that's not how we should think we, we ought not think that way. We should desire the spiritual, not the wealthy, the spiritual, not the popular, but those who are godly, <clears throat> who are reading God's word and praying every day as we sang a little bit ago, who are walking with the Lord, not perfect, but walking with God. Maybe not all preaching as, as Stephen and Philip, but, but, but godly men who walk with God. That's who we're desiring. That's who we should want. Listen, if that's the kind of standard you have for your deacons, what kind of a pastor will you probably have? But as we lower the standards, we get, we get what we ask for. 
Just look at our politics. So let me finish this quickly. Christ is our example of being a servant minister, a diakonos. Christ himself said this, Matthew 20, verse 28, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Christ is our example of what a minister should be. Was Jesus the leader? Yes. But was he also the one that demonstrated service? Yes. Did Jesus wash their feet? Yes. Should they probably have been washing his feet? Yes. But Jesus was the the example of being a minister. Anyone who has been saved could and should be servants of Christ. We all should deke. We all should recognize no matter where God has placed us or what the church has decided, I just want to serve the Lord. You see, when we get to heaven, he's not going to say, well done, thou good and faithful deacon, or well done, thou good and faithful pastor, or well done, thou good and faithful whatever. He's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And if your job of service was pastor, or your job of service was deacon, or your job of service was Vac- vacuumer or your job of service was treasurer or your job of service was piano player is if you served God and did it like he wanted you to do it praise God well done thou good and faithful servant and Romans chapter 16 and verse 1 talks about a woman named Phoebe and the Greek word is diakonos now Phoebe was not a elected deacon we know that from other Bible passages but she was a servant. She was an unofficial diakonos, if we could say it that way. Why? Because all the saints of God should desire to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful. We've had servants in our church, never elected to some sort of position, but they're great servants, and praise the Lord for your service. And, and it's a blessing to me. And so Romans chapter 16, verse 1, I commend you, Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at, which is at Centuria. She was not officially elected as some sort of position, but she was a diac- She was a servant. She deked very well. Every Christian should mature into and maintain the lifestyle of a deacon, a servant. I'm thankful I was kidding about the campaigners. I'm thankful we don't have campaigners. I'm thankful that it's not the goal of, of men in our church to, to try to be this position, but rather humbly receive it and recognize that it's, it's, a, it's a job that God would have them to do should the church decide that. That's what we need to understand about deacons. And because it's coming up, because I'll even mention a little bit more about it tonight after church, a little pre-business meeting tonight, and then next Sunday night we'll have our official election. Uh, I just want to make sure that we're understanding from Scripture what does that word mean, deacon. And then next Sunday morning in Sunday school, we'll talk about pastor, as I've already talked about a little bit today. We'll talk about that some more next week. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for opportunity to own a copy of it. And not just own it, but hopefully read it every day and study it and, and, and then operate our lives and our conduct, our church, everything based on what does the Bible say and how should we operate. Help us to realize that so many people and churches are in a mess because they just got away from your book. Help us to stay close to your book, stay close to you, and be humble, humble servants, to desire nothing other than to hear you say, well done, a good and faithful servant. Thank you for servants in our local church. Help us to never be anything but servants of you. And if you place us in a position of service, help us to never become arrogant or proud of that, but to still be the same humble 
servants that we're to be. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.